0: This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Another week and another Donald Trump book is making waves. This time, the writer is frequent Mayor Culpa guest and former Homeland Security Chief of Staff, Miles Taylor. And boy, is this book a doozy, folks. It's called Blowback, a warning to save democracy from the next Trump. I mean, the book is a first-person account of Taylor's time serving in the Trump administration. And according to Newsweek Magazine, who obtained an exclusive advance copy, the book covers Trump's misogyny and blatant sexism against the female members of his administration. And you don't have to be Woodward and Bernstein to discern that Trump is a fucking pervert and a pig of the highest order, who treats women with disdain. But Taylor chronicles how those who served under the mango Mussolini did so with a tinge of bile in the back of their throats as they faced a daily barrage of lewd and inappropriate comments from Trump who would comment on their outfits, their makeup, their weight. I mean, this is all bullshit, all about female administration members. It's a joke. And according to Taylor's book, the worst of the behavior was Trump's lewd comments about his own daughter. And here I quote, "Aide said that he talked about Ivanka Trump's breasts, her backside, and what it might be like to have sex with her. Remarks that once led John Kelly to remind the president that Ivanka was his daughter, Taylor writes. And afterward, Kelly retold the story to me in visible disgust. Trump, he said, was a very, very evil man. That Trump is a deeply sick individual is no secret. But his deviance seemed to also rub off on those around him. Or perhaps he just attracted fellow sociopaths. Taylor's book, beyond detailing the former president's deviant attraction even to his own daughter, also, spotlights that his aides sought his favor and would go to extremes to get his attention, something I saw all the time at the Trump org. Now, one section of the book even alleges that top Trump advisor, Stephen Miller, advocated blowing up boats of migrants with drones. I mean, Stephen Miller is one sick fuck. Taylor says Miller made his argument to then U.S. Coast Guard commander, Paul Zuckham. I mean, according to Taylor, Miller said, Tell me, why can't we use a predator drone to obliterate that boat? When told that slaughtering innocent people would violate international law, Miller seemed uninterested in that fact and asserted that since it happened in international waters, the migrants had no constitutional rights. I mean, this is chilling stuff, folks, and more firsthand knowledge of Miller's stance on immigration and human rights, which remain deeply relevant considering Trump right now is the frontrunner for the 2024 GOP nomination. And worse, Miller, along with other anti-immigration hardliners, they're still on the shortlist for administration posts in the event that Trump should retake the White House. The former president is campaigning on promises to run on more extreme anti-immigrant policies than his first terms, including proposals for attacking and invading Mexico, as well as reviving his heinous Muslim travel ban. The idea that this man could even possibly return to the White House is beyond repugnant, and despite facing years in prison after being indicted on fucking espionage charges and obstruction of justice, it seems that the MAGA fucking lunatics love him even more. So let's face it, the only way that we stop Donald Trump from burning down democracy is to put him behind bars, to hold him guilty, and to hold him responsible for his own dirty deeds. Now, earlier this week, CNN released the full audio of the now infamous Bedminster golf tapes, where Trump can be heard discussing the contents of a classified document that included detailed plans to attack Iran. This smoking gun tape is proving to be one of the key pieces of evidence against Trump, contradicting what he was holding in his hand as he says that they were just newspaper clippings. And all of us that listen to this and know Trump, well, we call bullshit. On the newly released recording, you can actually hear Trump shuffling through papers while presenting a goddamn war plan which the former president described as highly confidential to both a writer and a staffer as part of his criticism of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley. Secret? This is secret information. Look, look at this. Isn't that incredible? Trump went on to say. As president, I could have declassified. Now I can't, but this is still a secret. It's so cool. I mean, what a fucking asshole. Last week in an interview with the Fox News host Bret Baier Trump insisted that he was not presenting classified material in the meeting and that he was not referring to any secret or highly confidential documents but was rather talking about newspaper stories, magazines, stories and articles but the audio recording played by CNN shows that Trump wasn't referring to secondhand accounts I mean it's fucking ridiculous bullshit but instead to a specific piece of paper or papers that were right in front of him. So guess what? Here's what we know. Trump's a fucking massive liar. Oh, no shit. The recording, if accurate, suggests Trump took classified materials, knowingly kept the classified materials and deliberately showed highly sensitive materials to someone who didn't have the necessary clearance and admitted that he lacked the wherewithal to declassify the documents that he wasn't supposed to even have. I mean, this guy is putting his foot in his own mouth. He is doing everybody's job. He is helping the prosecutors more than they have even helped themselves. I mean, we now have breathtaking proof and access to a full recording where the former idiot-in-chief of the United States talks himself and his staff through a series of criminal actions. I mean, you can't make this shit up. But the brazen gaslighter that he is, Trump insisted and then turned to his Truth Social to declare that what appears to be the smoking gun is actually an exoneration, rather than what they would have you believe. The deranged special prosecutor, Jack Smith, working in conjunction with the DOJ and FBI, illegally leaked and spun a tape and transcript of me, which is actually an exoneration, rather than what they would have you believe, Trump wrote. This continuing witch hunt is another election interference scam. They are cheaters and thugs. Now, George Conway, Lincoln Project co-founder and vocal critic of Trump, tweeted that the former president was a sociopathic criminal, calling the newly released audio another nail in the coffin for Trump, who was likely on his way to prison. The special counsel already had Trump dead to rights because we knew this tape existed in some form. But to actually hear a former president of the United States committing a felony, I mean, probably multiple felonies, on audio tape while laughing about it, it's something I just, I I mean, I think it's just fucking stunning. And he added, I mean, this man has no respect for rules, no respect for the lives of other human beings. No respect for the country. No respect for the Constitution. No respect for his duties. He is a sociopathic criminal. And this is just another nail in the coffin. So, what did Trump do? Well, he goes on and he crafted a brilliant and legally reasoned response to the CNN tapes. Okay, I'm just kidding. But his defense? That he was fucking lying about having the documents i mean i would say it was bravado if you want to know the truth it was bravado trump told reporters for semaphore and abc news on tuesday i was talking and just holding up papers and talking about them but i had no documents i didn't have any documents i mean could you believe this asshole thinks that we're gonna buy this i mean we are truly in the land of the bizarre now folks Here we have a president who is a fucking known liar admitting that he was lying about having classified documents to staff members and to a member of the press as a way to exonerate himself for lying about having these documents in the first place. And if you don't don't understand what I'm saying, eh, I know it's confusing. He came up with this ridiculous line of defense just after he decided to countersue E. Jean Carroll for defamation and saying that she was raped when Trump was merely found guilty of sexually abusing her. I mean, this guy is all class, but I guess it's about what you can expect from a narcissistic sociopath who sexually fantasizes about his own kid. And to think that the trial hasn't even started yet. I mean, what is this going to be like next month? It's going to be a fucking shit show. So stay tuned, folks. Just stay tuned.
1: Welcome to the Chicago Board of Trade and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. In the 1980s, they were the largest financial markets in the world. This guy made two million, this guy made three million, this guy made four million. It was like an ATM machine for uh, traders. Traders were making money hand over fist, and they thought it was their own little secret.
0: Four FBI men wearing wires infiltrated the Board of Trade and the Mercantile Exchange.
1: This lavish and daring undercover operation was the most expensive in the Bureau's history.
0: But was it successful? It all depends who you ask.
1: The FBI used extraordinary means to detect extraordinary fraud.
0: They were down there to
1: expose a big cheating scandal, did they? I don't think they did. From Entropy Media, this is Brokers, Bagmen, and Moles. Available now
0: wherever you listen. And now for the main event. We welcome back to the show my old friend Malcolm Nance. Nance has spent a significant amount of time this year on the front lines in Ukraine, talking about the Ukraine war, and there's a lot to say about the current situation there, as well as what's happening inside Russia with the likes of the Wagner Group. But he's also a fierce critic of Donald Trump and the danger that Trump poses to democracy. You may know Nance as the globally renowned expert on terrorism, extremism, and insurgency from his stunning new book, They Want to Kill Americans, The Militias, Terrorists, and Deranged Ideology of the Trump Insurgency. It became a New York Times bestseller, as was his last book, The Plot to Hack America. He's the counterterrorism analyst for NBC and MSNBC. And Nance is considered one of the great African-Americans in espionage by the International Spy Museum. So buckle up, my friends, and let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Malcolm, I want to start off today by helping my listeners understand what the fuck is going on in Russia. I mean, if you would do me the favor, right, because this is so up your alley. Unpack for us what happened last weekend with the Wagner Group and their leader, Evgeny uh, Prigozhin. I mean, first off, explain to my listeners what is the Wagner Group or Wagner Group? Who is the Wagner Group? And how do they come to power? Who's Evgeny Prigozhin? And finally, does this pose a threat to Putin's
1: leadership? Okay. Well, first, Let me start with the simple one, right? Which is, what the fuck happened last week, right? This is going to be a, people are going to be doing doctoral theses on this. Here's what happened last week. No one knows, okay? What? But I can tell you the historic events that occurred, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have much clarity about what it means and where it's going. So here's, let's start with your basic question. PMC Wagner, private military corporation Wagner Group, right, named after the German uh, storm and drag uh, um, uh, composer, made, uh, you know, great tunes like Ride of the Valkyries, right, things like that. PMC Wagner was Russia's answer to America's black water in Iraq. Russia found that they were extending themselves around the world and they wanted to provide security in oil fields and actually do security contracting work. However, PMC Wagner was not actually intended to be a peaceful, lawful organization. It was a de facto branch of the Russian government, which was going to be funded by Russian military and intelligence agencies, and they could go out and do deniable things around the world under the guise of a private military corporation like blackwater. So, PMC Wagner was organized by one of Putin's top henchmen, a guy by the name of Yegeny Prigozhin. Putin became buddies with Prigozhin when he left the KGB, moved back to St. Petersburg, Russia, in the in the ni- in the t- 1990s, became the deputy mayor of St. Petersburg where Putin helped to completely liquidate that is cell Every governmental asset of the city of St. Petersburg for cash. Putin became insanely wealthy. So did his patron, the mayor of St. Petersburg, by issuing certificates of ownership for, you know, little things like 20 story apartment complexes that they would sell for, you know, of 10 million bucks that would be instantly worth $100 million. They got crazy rich. But, like all mafia dons and mafia lieutenants, you need a place to have lunch. And forget if had their favorite restaurant, and he became a confidant of Putin because he fed Putin, uh, you know, his favorite borscht or whatever it is. Now, there's something to this. Putin's father was a cook for Stalin, and so he admired Purgosian, and of course, Purgosian did a lot of favors for him. When Putin became president of Russia, he kicked those favors back. He gave Prigozhin a contract to f- supply food in lunches to every school in Russia. Then he gave him the contract to supply food to the entirety of the Russian army. So Prigozhin became a very very wealthy man. But during that time in the in the early 2000s, Prigozhin made a proposal that he create a paramilitary force. He was going to call. Wagner Group, and they'd be allowed to carry out operations around the world for security contracting and also doing dirty trick stuff for Putin. Putin thought, this is awesome, because one of the things Prigozhin had done was in 2016, actually starting in 2014, he created an organization called the Internet Research Agency, which was an independent cyber warfare organization that hacked the Democratic National Committee, along with Russian intelligence, Russian military intelligence, and spread all sorts of disinformation and amplified Donald Trump's message in the 2016 election. Prigozhin, of course, was now Putin's boy. PMC Wagner was given license to go to, to Syria, Libya, Mali contracts in sub-Saharan Africa like DR Congo and Sudan to act literally as a mercenary army. Then when the war in Ukraine started, Prigozhin offered to bring Wagner force out from all over around Africa and then use them as a paramilitary force. His guys who were overseas with him would act as senior commanders. They went through every prison in Russia, were able to offer amnesty and bring in tens of thousands of essentially murderers, rapists, criminals, and thieves, organize them into a combat force, and starting last August 2022, try to take the small town of 70,000 people of Bakhmut They used human wave tactics, and over eight months did take about 90% of that town and lost over 10 to 20,000 Wagner soldiers, as far as we can tell. But their senior cadre made them an effective fighting force, more effective than the regular Russian army. That's where this story begins, because Pogosian hates the commanders of the regular Russian army. General Jurasimov, who is in charge of the entirety of Russia's armed forces, and particularly General Shoigu, the commander of the Russian army, Uh, He has gone on video rants, calling them murderers, traitors, and literally standing in a field full of Wagner bodies, called those guys murderers and trees, you know, and uh, betrayed uh, Russia. That's apparently when he got angry, when the Russian army decided that everyone in Wagner would be contracted into the Russian army on July 1st. And apparently... Purgosian and his boys decided that they weren't going to take that lying down.
0: Do you think that it was Wagner, do you think it was Purgosian that was partially responsible for the Steele dossier, the dissemination of that fake information that was provided to Christopher Steele that we all know was uncorroborated, unverified source? Could it
1: possibly have been him? Well, you know there are so many players in Russia's oligarchy, right? Russia is not ruled by it's ruled by one dictator, but it's really backed by multi-multi billionaires. Remember when I said Russia was liquidated everything? Well, entire oil industries that were Soviet became the province of one or two guys, and they became hundred. Yes, but Those yes, guys- but
0: these folks, but these folks are not the ones that are disseminating fake information to Christopher Steele, who, as you know, was stupid enough, right, to not only accept it, but not to verify it, not to validate it, and then well, to put it down into a into a memorandum and provide it to his client.
1: Yeah, well, full disclosure, I know Christopher Steele. I've had lunch with Christopher Steele. We've yeah, talked he's still about an idiot. this document. Um, he himself admits that it was what we call rumor intelligence, it, and that a lot of these sources that were overheard Um, didn't come from any one place. But it is possible, right, that the Internet Research Agency and Prigozhin's other sneaky arms could have literally fed information to someone who wasn't going to analyze it, who was going to use it in its raw collection forms. That's possible.
0: Right, because I remember, if I'm not mistaken, there was a guy named Mikhail Khodorkovsky who was a Russian oligarch I believe he was like the largest shareholder of Yukos. Yes. And they took Yukos through privatization certificates. I remember during the Wild West of Russia in the year 2000, I mean, these privatization certificates were available, right? They used to go, they would hold up uh, paying the employees who had ownership interest in. Um, these various different companies and then they would buy them out for pennies on the dollar, because if not, they wouldn't pay you. So they were paying you for your privatization certificates. Ultimately they ended up owning, forget about just, you know, the energy companies. They owned everything from the steel companies to the urea companies, to the fertilizer companies, to you name it, to transportation companies. I mean, this is, how they, this is how the oligarchs became the oligarchs. And then you'll also remember, though, Russia became like, you know, the early 1900s when the, you know, the, the mobs, right? When, right? Like in the movie, right? The, the movie, what was it? Uh, gangs like of New York. Three Points, uh, oh, the Gangs he, of New York, yeah. right? Where, you know, they were all fighting for the territory. They were fighting for the companies
1: and so on. Yeah. There were bodies every day being laid in the street. Yeah, that was that was that was the way it was. You know, it's I I try to get people to understand where this Russian oligarch money came from. Imagine every asset of the United States government, including the mint, is sold to whoever can come up with cash. So if you came up with 20 million dollars, they would sell you the mint. And of course, it'd be worth a billion dollars the next day to these people. Uh, And that's what got us into Trump world, because all that dirty, illicit money needed to be laundered in apartments and houses all around the world. London, New York, Miami, places like that. But Yevgeny Prigozhin, he had a bigger focus because he was Putin's buddy. He went simple. Every ounce of food that was eaten by every child in Russia for breakfast, lunch. Right. Every Bite given worth, to every member I mean, of the armed forces, billion dollar contracts left and right. I PMC mean, look, Wagner according a to billion dollars in contracts.
0: Yeah, and according to um, all reports, a guy who is the chef, <laughs> technically they call him Putin's Chef, yeah. right, is worth a billion dollars. It's. It's amazing. You know, they always say America's a great country. Anytime that somebody <laughs> in the food business could be worth a billion dollars, right? Uh, you know, God bless them. But yesterday, Malcolm, you tweeted that, and I'm going to quote here. I'm convinced Prigozhin reads my tweets. He says, it was, I mean, <laughs> sure, right? He says, it was a real mutiny because of contracts to join army for cannon fodder. They march to show they can threaten Moscow and expose weaknesses. Secretly, Prigozhin cuts a deal now. They all have to join the army as cannon fodder. So if you would, discuss this with my listeners. What is it exactly
1: that you mean here? This is amazing because when the, when the mutiny first started, I want to get something clear. It wasn't a coup d'etat. It was a mutiny. A mutiny almost exactly like the Russian army of 1917, right? When they quit World War One. the Soviets took them over and they marched on Moscow and took over the government and killed everybody, right, in the Nicholas, II, Nicholas II's royal family. When PMC Wagner was told they were going to be forced to join the army, the force they hate, I suspect Prigozhin's actual plan to overthrow the government which reporting says he had had for eight months, I suspect that plan was sincere. I think he had secretly planned to overthrow the government. But what's better than overthrowing the government? Having the government see your power and then pulling your power in exchange for some future benefit. The problem is Wagner's mercenary men don't know anything about your secret plan. So, They're going to go in the army. They mutiny along with you. You say, I'm going to lead them to Moscow. And here's quote of the day. Today, PMC Wagner commanders said, Prigozhin gave a speech on the 23rd when he said, we're marching to Moscow. And he said, I'm going to drag, quote unquote, drag Putin out of the Kremlin by the scruff of his neck and piss on him in red square, unquote. That's what he was telling his commanders. They marched to Moscow, 200 kilometers out of Moscow. They dead stop because Vladimir, uh, I'm sorry, Evgeny Prigozhin, had been secretly cutting a deal with Vladimir Putin, working with the president of Belarus, Lukashenko, to essentially turn PMC Wagner over to the army and I think that what he did was he used the mutiny to identify every individual who was opposed to Putin and get put them in a criminal status by overthrowing the government, and trying to march on Washington, I almost said, march on Moscow, and then gets them amnesty. And then they still have to be put under the control of the army. It is Byzantine. That is the only way to describe this. <laughs> But it shows, now Pogosian's saying, I showed you where all the weaknesses in your defense were. The Ukrainians could have made it to Moscow, blah, blah, blah. I think Pogosian seriously intended to overthrow the government at some point, but then realized Putin would flip at another point and would be made to look weak. Pogosian would be made to look strong. My only question is, which window of the... 20-story skyscraper is Pergozian falling on him? The first story where he might survive or the 20th story in which he will absolutely not survive?
0: Okay, I have a little bit of a different thought here. Okay, I'm going to... All right, let me just, let me play out, let me play out a scenario. We'll call it uh, the Trump scenario, (laughs) right? Because everything that, you know, anything and everything that Trump and... And his kids, whether it's Ivanka or Jared, everything that they all did was based upon the almighty dollar. Right. So what if hypothetically, and I agree with you, there's no doubt in my mind that Prigozhin was actually looking to seize Moscow. He was looking to take power. Why the fuck would you not? Right. Putin is hands down the richest guy in the world. Forget about all of this. Oil money. He controls twenty five percent of every single company in Russia. Imagine, just imagine, if you controlled twenty five percent of every major company in the United States, what your net worth would be. All right. So now he's what is about one hundred and fifty miles outside of Moscow, and he's got his band of, you know, mercenaries um, ready. To fight for him. And all of a sudden they stopped dead in their tracks. I believe that Putin turned around and said to him, I'll tell you what. I'm going to send you a billion dollars. Fuck the fuck off. That's what I think happened. And he turned around and he said, how much? So he goes, I'll send you $2 billion. What the hell is the difference? But for this $2 billion, you turned around, you never come back to Moscow. All right, you go to Belarus, go to France, go to England. I don't give a shit where you go, but you can't come back to Moscow. All right, Mm -hmm. if you come back to Moscow and there's any bloodshed at all, it's going to be yours. Yeah, all right, one way or the other. I'm going Mm -hmm. to end up making sure that it's your blood that's laid in the street as well,
1: right? So,
0: either here's the point take the two billion. And like I said, fuck the fuck off. Or we go to war. Maybe you get me, maybe you don't. But 100% guaranteed, the person who brings me your head, attached to your body, detached from your body, I don't give a shit. (laughs) I'm going to give them $100 million. Because again, for Putin, he has so much money in Switzerland. He has so much money overseas. He has so much money in the country. Mm -hmm. There's no amount of money he can't give to somebody to make sure that Purgosian's head is delivered to him in a box. Right. That's how I see it. So I think Purgosian took the right move. He -hmm. made the best out of the worst of circumstances. I don't believe that you're going to see him, at least in the near future, deciding that he wants to be Superman and fly off the top of a building, only to learn that he's not. I don't believe that's going to happen, because then Putin would be making a martyr out of him. And one of Prigozhin's leaders will end up picking up the mantle and deciding that he wants to fulfill Prigozhin's dream of marching on Moscow. That's my theory.
1: Well, it's a good theory, because anything that involves money being exchanged in Russia, the Trump theory, as you say right? Cash Money Brothers, right? (laughs) Put money on the table. Uh, CMB. CMB. (laughs) You you put that money on the table, you can buy people. And Prigozhin sold Wagner yesterday. There won't be, PMC Wagner will be reduced to about 150 of his longest serving surviving guys who will go to Belarus, they'll go to Mali, they'll go back to Libya, DR Congo, they'll raise security contracts. Boghossian comes off looking sweet. But the 20,000 guys who took part in that rebellion, who were all essentially penal colony, right, prisoners and, and these guys who were conscripted and were in Wagner, they're going to be Russian army here in a couple of days, regular cannon fodder. So he sold them, whereas the core nucleus of his organization, he's taking with him.
0: The really... only
1: question is how much did he get?
0: That's the, that's the question everybody wants to know. How much did it actually cost? And I can assure you it probably was not cheap. But let me ask you this then, Malcolm. Sure. How does the disarming of Wagner help Ukraine in their goal to defeat Russia? Because the way I see it, one of the things that Prigozhin did is he exposed Russia's weaknesses. Now, we've always known, and especially you, listen, this is your life. I mean, few people know this shit better than you. We've always known that Russia has inherent weaknesses, especially in their military. We certainly saw that in the fact that they thought they were going to roll into Ukraine on Monday and be home by Wednesday for borscht. All right? Didn't happen. Not only did it not happen, my understanding, according to Purgosian, is that the number of Russian casualties, not just, not just casualties of injury, but death, is into the 100,000 person range. Yeah. That's, that's the story that's at least out there. And again, the problem when you're dealing with Russia is all of the misinformation, disinformation, malinformation that comes out of there. So how does this help Ukraine?
1: Well, I How will, does this help the world? Let, let me tell you, somebody who has fought these Russians and my, my own, my actual platoon fought PMC Wagner in Bakhmut. And one of the harder core, better trained elements, because they had French foreign legionnaires who were Russian, who had quit and joined PMC Wagner. And they had a very intense battle with them in which the International Legion won. But, Here's how it helps Ukraine. Now, that mutiny went to Moscow with the best soldiers in the Russian army that have survived. Because the really good soldiers of the Russian army, best equipment, best technology, best experience, they're dead. Ukrainians have killed over 150,000 Russian soldiers. The entire force that invaded Russia in 2002, the 175,000 guys, they're dead or wounded. The rest of these guys from PMC Wagner have have developed over the last year since last August, right? What it does is the Russian army who had Wagner behind their back with a knife going to Moscow to overthrow the government and look for atomic bombs is now being disarmed, defanged, and put back in their ranks as common soldiers or stormtroopers, Now, every soldier Mm in the PMC, every soldier in the Russian army is going to go, what the hell was that for? Right. You guys were going to overthrow the government. Why are we even here? That's what we want. When I worked with Ukrainian intelligence, one of the phrases I tried to teach them was something we did with ISIS and al Qaeda. The weapon of doubt. You want to inject into their head that what they are doing cannot succeed. Now, of course, you can go out and shoot them, which is the way that the Ukrainians prefer it. They're Cossacks. They want to slit throats and, you know, twirl their mustaches and cut heads off. Awesome. That's what this counteroffensive is doing right now, trying to find the weaknesses in the Russian line. But the biggest weakness shown by Wagner this week is the mind of the common Russian soldier. You could, given the right incentives and the right person, turn that entire Russian army around and have, 200,000 men marching on Moscow, if done properly. Wagner showed that it could be done properly, but now they're showing loyalty to the fatherland or the motherland, whichever you want to call it, and that the people aren't approving of it and Vladimir Putin survived that, then no one will be able to challenge him. That's actually a benefit that was shown to Putin. But for the Ukrainians... They're, i was called by my former battalion commander he's like what is going on i was like sit back get a cup of coffee restock your weapons get ammunition don't get in the way of whatever's happening out there. that's it
0: yeah well, my understanding is that there is no ammunition which is one of the things uh and that the equipment was all defective which is why progosian was as angry I, again who the fuck knows? That's the whole problem because no information that we're actually getting over there has been validated so far to this, to this date. We believe it's 150,000. They sent mobile crematoriums in order to get rid of the bodies because right. they didn't want photos showing. You know, it's funny. Talk about being stupid, which, you know, sometimes I actually thought PMC Wagner was protect Michael Cohen. I thought that I thought that Putin and Wagner, right? They were so concerned about making sure that I'm there to testify against Diaper Donald that they were actually creating this entire paramilitary group in order to ensure my safety. So you know, stupid me, right? I mean, listen, you know, one could only think. I mean, well, that's the first thing that came to my mind. But let me ask you this for a second, because again, from what I understand, yeah. Wagner played a pivotal role in Russia's interference in the 2016 election, as you brought up. And I really do believe that. I believe that they were involved in a lot of this stuff. So if you would, discuss with me and my listeners the role that they played in setting up these troll farms, these bot farms, and these disinformation um, schemes, all right, including... What do you think was the effect? Do you think that it actually played a vital role in Trump being elected in 2016?
1: You know, I've, I've written now four books about this subject, uh, including the one that came out six weeks before the election, The Plot to Hack America, where I identified exactly how this, at that agent at that point, I, we couldn't identify the name. It would later come out to be called the Internet Research Agency. Purgosian was given a task to do an intelligence-slash-information warfare operation against the United States. Russian military intelligence, the GRU, would steal documents from the Democratic National Committee, right? Their internal emails. Those internal emails would be given to PMC Wagner, not Wagner, actually, the Internet Research Agency, which was formed in 2014. Now, I want to talk about some interesting data points before I go further. Donald Trump's first thought about forays into the election, as I understand it, was on the night that uh, um, Mitt Romney lost to Barack Obama. He apparently tweeted something like, how could this loser lose to Barack Obama? And one of the Russian oligarchs, Texted him, DM'd him, which means that they were following each other, and said, "Donald, if you ever run for president, we'll have your backing." Trump said, "Do you a- know?
0: I'm so sorry. Do you know? Do you know who that Russian oligarch is? Did we I ever get do, a name?" I do. If I
1: can grab my book, I just don't have it at the tip of my tongue. Uh, but right. um, he 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 made this. Actually, I I can get that for you in a moment. Uh, no, nope, don't worry. Keep going. And he, I'll tell your staff, and you can fill it in later. He sent him a double thumbs up photograph from his executive jet. Seven days later, Make America Great Again PAC was formed in November 2020. I'm sorry, November 2012. The next data point is Donald Trump is supposed to be hosting the Miss Universe pageant in Moscow in 2014. But prior to that, Trump was already making his moves to be to uh, to uh, get a nomination for, you know, for presidency in 2016. The Internet Research Agency by Purgosian would stand up and start hiring English linguist and English Internet specialists, hacking specialists in January of 24 of uh, January of 2014 same year as the Miss Universe pageant. By September, the organization would be stood up with all its senior management. Then Trump comes to Russia for Miss Universe, I believe it was in October, November 2014. And while he was there, he has dinner at the Nobu restaurant with the 12 richest oligarchs in Russia. Nobody knows, I don't know whether you know, But he comes out of that meeting, including representatives of Vladimir Putin, and he is talking the Russian party line about how wonderful Russia is. January 2015, the Internet Research Agency starts filling its coffers full of English-speaking hackers and Russian IT specialists. All of them are focused on two things. One, when Russia, after Russia, had invaded Ukraine, speciating the Internet, with things saying Vladimir Putin is a strong leader and targeting American right-wing internet locations, websites, threads, things like that. These are all English-speaking Russians. Then by the end of 2015, when Vladimir Putin says that Donald Trump's a colorful guy, they start spreading, uh, they start working with the now hacked DNC documents. Fast forward to June 2016, the DNC documents are all released by a fake character that's supposedly a Romanian hacker that was already in the custody of the FBI, and all of Hillary's emails flood the internet, or so they say. The internet research- Well, they weren't weren't Hillary's, right? They they were podestines. They weren't. It was just the Democratic National Committee's day-to-day, boring-ass emails but when you drop right. 100,000 of them on the US news media, it looks like a flood. The Internet right. Research Agency at this point is now flooding US, um, not, not the average American, but Donald Trump backed backers, people who supported Trump with targeted advertisements and information focused by a group called Cambridge Analytica, which I think you might remember.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Steve Bannon, Jared Kushner, uh, and working with the micro-targeting of individual voters based on their likes and tastes. That progosian organization, the Internet Research Agency, was monitoring that and feeding micro-targeting, or as we call it, amplifying the meta-narrative of Trump-awesome, Russia-awesome-too. Now, when would this come to a head? Well, it's almost like Donald Trump was listening to me because on 26 July 2016, I went on air on MSNBC for the first time, really, and said the United States is under attack by a foreign intelligence agency that is seeking to get Donald Trump elected president. The next day, Trump comes out and goes, hey, Russia, if you're listening, why don't you give us the 30,000 emails of Hillary Clinton's emails uh, that are out there? And the Russian intelligence agency, the SVR, uh, and the GRU started an effort within hours of him saying that. But it's too late. Krogosian's internet research agency had already been flooding the field with meta narratives Trump awesome, Hillary evil, Russia great. The Russians didn't stop there, they bought in a spy by the name of Maria Butina to flip the NRA. To supporting Trump. They had already bought in other people who were there to assist Trump, including Russians all helping out by praising Trump whenever he had the term. So an entire universe of support for Trump was coming from the Russians. This is where people get it wrong. And I wrote this in 2016. After the election, the Russians didn't have to do anything anymore. That entire meta-narrative was picked up by the MAGA world and exploded into the universe that we have today. The Russians could have, they did try in 2020, but they didn't have to do anything. Places like Donald, the Win, right, now known as Patriots.Win, where these people are almost cult-like in their belief in Trump, where they call him the emperor of the emperor-in-chief. And things like that. Or is right. it not, not, not POTUS? They call him uh, um, asshole. God Emperor of the United States. Geotus.
0: I thought it was uh, asshole. But you know what didn't, never made any sense to me, Malcolm? <laughs> right? <laughs> Fucking moron. How What never made sense to me yeah. is if, in fact, the IRA, Putin, whoever, sent Maria Butina... In order to create a relationship with Don Jr., he, Jared, right, um, Steve Bannon, whoever Don, it might have been, mm-hmm. if they, if they really, if that was the goal, the thing that I never fully understood, when she came to the office, mm-hmm. she brought no documents. There was nothing significant. That was brought, it was all about the Magnitsky Act, allegedly, about repealing the Magnitsky Act, and so on. That doesn't make any sense to me, because you're not dealing with the brightest of the bright. And all you had to do, especially Don, right, or, or Steve Bannon, you know, Jared's a little more cautious, knowing because, obviously, he saw what happened to his father. Right. So he's more cautious, But Don is a wild man. Had she brought one piece of paper that said, hey, look, this is what we got. She could have owned Don, Right. right? And, you know, partied with him, really gotten close to him, right? Both mentally, physically, sexually, the whole nine yards. And especially if Don was able to show his dad one single piece of paper just one it would have been a whole different a whole different ball game mm. but she didn't she just came in and the conversation allegedly again turned to the repealing of the
1: Magnitsky act yeah well look now what you're looking at is a human intelligence officer she is not there to flip people and get them to be spies for russia she was an influence operation Okay, Mm. this woman was 23 years old when she became the the deputy of the right to bear arms organization in Russia of where there is no right to bear arms. Right. Her job was Mm. to go to the United States with her compatriot, big fat Russian guy. His name escapes me right now and go to the NRA and essentially promise them that they would have access to the Kalashnikov world. Ammunition, future weapons, you know, they're just it up and became an influence operative. She was also a honey trap because she got a boyfriend who gave her access to influence and she slept her way up to being the first person to ever ask Donald Trump a question at his kickoff of his campaign rally. And the question was. Will you be friends with Russia? Her job was to get that meta narrative out there. She was Mm. being handled by other intelligence officers. You got to understand something. One day she was a 21-year-old furniture saleswoman in Siberia. Not joking. Disappears for two years. Comes back. As the deputy head of this NR, this right to bear arms organization. Where was Sounds
0: she? Sounds normal. Sounds normal to me. The Yuri
1: Andropov School of Human Intelligence outside of Moscow. That's where she was. But her job was to penetrate, pardon the pun, influence and keep one meta-narrative going and to maintain a human chain to the Trump campaign. That's why mm. she was arrested as a spy because she was a Russian human intelligence officer who penetrated the highest levels of a campaign. Only difference is she was not the person to pull the strings. Her job was to keep an invisible box around the meta narrative of Trump awesome, Russia great. And that's what but she was also there to influence, influence, identify, communicate back to Russian military intelligence or their clandestine service the SVR. Hmm.
0: You can't make this shit up, right? I mean, it's better than any Real. television I mean, show. The, the FBI right? indicted her.
1: And now she's ta- best as buddies. She's a member of parliament and best as bunnies with Tara Reid, the woman who just defected to Moscow who claims that uh, uh, Joe Biden had raped her in the halls of Congress. You can't make that up.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. So, look... Now to Donald Trump. Yeah. Let's just, let's just, I, and by the way, I think the guy's name was Ivan. I cut your cock off, but um, let's just move on to, let's move on to Donald and write all things indictment at this time, <laughs> right? Listen, if we don't bring a little levity to this thing, you can cry. That's how fucked up this world is becoming. You know, thanks to people, these autocratic ideologies and personalities, uh, you know, of just like 10 people, there's 10 Autocratic leaders, personality disordered individuals around the world. That if they continue in this route, and then America becomes an autocracy, boy, the whole world is going to change overnight. So back to all things Donald and the indictments. There was an opinion piece on M- in, um, it, was, it was on MSNBC, if I'm not mistaken, that recently discussed. The fallacy of Trump's two-tiered justice rant. Now, in a video um, for his 2024 presidential campaign, Mm -hmm. Trump blatantly comes out and he states, and I'm going to quote, there are two standards of justice in our country. One for people like you and me, and one for the corrupt political class, of which there are many. Now, As it relates to Trump making this statement, it's fucking absurd. (laughs) I made that same exact statement in my book, Revenge. Yes, there is a two-tiered system. But Donald, you are the tier. You're <laughs> the tier that you're trying to point the finger out and say that they that that everyone else, the Biden administration, is the corrupt political class. Right. No dumbass. Right. All right. It's you. It's Bill Barr. It's right, it's you know, I, it's your entire administration. Right. Can I, so can I point out the, so, wait, wait, before before you point out. So All right. there is a two-tier system, right? Um but it overpunishes not Republicans, but African Americans, Hispanics, and the indigenous right overproportionately. Right now, of course, I am—I I don't fall into those any of those three categories. <laughs> but what I fall into is the biggest category of them all, and what will be the biggest category of them all, and that's critics of Donald Trump. <laughs> Right. Political hit list, uh, political enemies. So if you would. Right. Stop laughing. This is
1: this isn't funny at all. Right. (laughs) No, no, no. Michael, Michael, let me say this.
0: Just discuss discuss with me and my listeners this line of attack. And more importantly, how does Trump convince these MAGA morons that they are somehow the targets for law enforcement?
1: What I find hilarious, and this is why we should tell your listeners, stop. Who are the two people on this podcast right now? A black man and a white guy who went to prison for Donald Trump, which the system of justice worked plenty well for you, right? This guy is utterly amazing. He is the second tier because it's literally not anyone below him. It's him and him alone. I suspect his kids will go to jail before he will. Uh, The way that the system of justice is, is, is cutting favors for him, doing favors for him. This judge down in Florida just, you know, wants to identify 84 witnesses ahead of time. For Donald Trump to intimidate? For his followers to go to their houses and shoot at them? I mean, good God, Eileen Cannon, who was the person who had almost all of her rulings overturned, right? There is a Donald Trump system of government here, and it is the ultimate elite class, right? The only problem is, if it fails, where are you going to imprison him? This is the guy, Michael, I swear to God, this is going to happen. Quote me on this. He's going to get convicted. He's going to pull a plea deal, or he's going to say, I'm willing to wear a leg tag, a tracking monitor.
0: But you know what, Malcolm, in all fairness, I've been I've been saying something similar to that since Mm. day number one. I know, obviously, the ins and outs of the various different cases that I had provided information. And we'll say most specifically the criminal case pending against Trump by the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. And there's no doubt in my mind that Trump will be found guilty. There's no doubt. But I don't believe he'll ever serve a day behind bars. And. I say this a lot, and some of my listeners and my supporters and fans, they get angry at me for saying it. I don't want to see the president of the United States behind bars. Not because I give a shit about Donald. I would love to see him taking a shit on one of those metal fucking dirty toilets, all right, because he's such a fucking germaphobe. Nothing would make me happier than to him having to make, like I did, my own toothpaste, right, out of the powder that they, you do it in your hand, you know, like real, like real prison shit, nothing would make me, ha- even if it's for 24 hours, I'd like him to know what solitary confinement feels like, all right, I really would, but it, it shouldn't happen, and why? Because that motherfucker's got real national security secrets, right up here, right, kidneys, as Donald would say, I've got, I've got big kidneys in my head, mm-hmm. and, and. At the end of the day, he would sell that information to or anyone cigarettes? for a bag of tuna, for a bag of tuna, or for a book of stamps, right? There's uh, no doubt in my mind. He would. I mean, I don't know who would cut his hair at the prison barber, but putting all that shit aside, let them put him on home confinement, not at Mar-a-Lardo, at one of his houses, and make it really, really strict. No internet other than what the government provides. The phones are monitored. People can't come and go, really make it strict. He can't run to the golf course, you know, to go hang out there. And I think that's what's going to happen. But I want to move on for a second because I have quick, a really... Quick, quick.
1: Im- My problem, here's here's what I think. I think he's going to try to plea to something and he will demand an ankle monitor and he will take it to rallies and show everybody... Put it on the stand. Look, they've got an ankle monitor on me. They're tracking Trump. This is our justice. And he will yeah, so what? fucking win with that. But so, so what? So the same
0: 26% of idiots that are out there are going to turn around and say, oh, my God, look what they're doing to our Donald. So what? Yeah. So what? I mean, yeah. you know, 70, 70% of the country believes that he committed a crime. Yeah, of course. right, and that, and that he should not even be running. That's a real tough hurdle, right, to overcome in a general election. But I want to ask you this because something sure. that I'm always confused about. As someone who understands how classified information works, right. why is it that, the, that even still these 26% of these MAGA morons do not understand how dangerous it was how Donald kept these documents? Why is it that they refuse to acknowledge it? Because he's trying to make a case that this is no big deal. It's no big deal, right? I kept a few letters by mistake. There were some love letters from Kim Jong-un, right? But the reality is, and you know this better than anybody, it's far more duplicitous, clearly, than what he's claiming. So if you would, unpack for me, unpack for my listeners, what? he had, and something that I state all the time, television, media, whatever form, uh, print, the leverage that he thought that he could have and to gain by keeping and using that information.
1: Well, to be quite honest, I think that um, in the MAGA world, they don't care. I've said this on this show before. Donald Trump is not an icon. He's not an avatar. He is a tribal chief to them. The tribal chief can do no wrong. You know, uh, cut off the head of a guy. Well, that's chiefly justice. And, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Everything that he does is there for their amusement also. He knows that. He plays that pantomime. Oh, they're coming after me. They're coming after you. No, any one of you, like Jack Teixeira, the Air Force airman who took um, dozens and dozens of documents and threw it up on a gaming website, he's going to prison for at least 10 years. Uh, Reality reality winner. winner. Reality winner. One
0: document. Five
1: years. And she had to be given a commuted sentence to get out. I mean, this is insane. Donald Trump stole classified documents for his own personal reasons. And he has to be punished the exact same way. There is no waiver for your position in government. But, nope, not Donald according Trump to thinks him. This is all his government. They think every document belongs to him. Just today, he was screaming his head off Presidential Records Act refuses to acknowledge all that says is every document you generate belongs to the people of the United States. He's trying to reinterpret what the Presidential Records Act is. So only his followers will say, Presidential Records Act, he can take anything he wants. This is, and now, you know what? We're going to have MAGA-leaning people in the future who have positions of trust and authority, who are going to start stealing documents to go, I can be like Donald. These secrets will kill Americans. A war plan for Iran, Iran would pay gold in tons for the actual war plan to invade Iran. Which means if you've got a relative in the armed forces or the intelligence community or the Department of Commerce, you can be killed by the exposure of this classified information. Ugh, gets me angry. Yep. So look,
0: Team Team Trump my estimation, terrified of the prospect that Mark Meadows has now flipped. Ah, And he's informing, right, um, providing information against the former president. Mm -hmm. Now, with with Jack Smith still investigating Trump's role in attempting to overturn the 2020 election, Mm -hmm. what effect do you think that Meadows, as a cooperating witness, might have on this case. And basically, what do you think that this asshole actually knows? And how devastating do you think that information is to Donald?
1: Let me tell you, as I understand it, Mark Meadows burned six documents in his fireplace in the White House. The first question I want to know, I'd sit him down, run him before the grand jury, and say, You burned six documents. What? Was each of those documents, and why were they so significant that you had to set fire to them? Because you know that's not the procedure. So now we have you on the destruction of government property and classified information. What you got a big was problem it?
0: there, Malcolm. What's got that? got a big problem, brother. No! got a very big problem there. What's big, that? Big, big, big problem. What's that? All right. Um, first and foremost, if he turns around and he said they were the nuclear codes— if he turned around, he said that they were plans to invade Mexico, Prison. right? Um, whatever it might be. Maybe it was about the drone strikes that they were intending, right, to use against the migrants. Right. right to take them out so that they couldn't cross the border. That was Prison. the Steve Miller plan, right, right. W- along with, with Donald and so on. The first thing Donald will say is, it's a lie. Show me the document. Mm-hmm. It's hearsay. It's an out-of-court statement offered to prove the truth of the matter, asserted. And mm-hmm. no matter what, Meadows, he could be telling the truth. We could have his we could have a probe up his ass for a lie detector <laughs> test, right? Where, you know. It's, and that should be on fucking national television, too, that's cool. whereby, he, whereby he absolutely cannot lie. And he could be telling the truth. These right. are what the documents were, but you can't admit them at the yeah. time of trial. So that's why I ask you the question, what does Meadows have? Again, knowing that Donald doesn't use email, knowing that Donald doesn't text, He has other people do it. So what information do you think that Meadows can give as a cooperating witness on Trump that will actually be devastating and ultimately give Jack Smith the ability to bring forth a case that's winnable?
1: I suspect that it's probably going to be something you'll also say is hearsay. But Meadows was critical to the plot to overthrow the government through the elector scheme. And the thing that is really missing from the elector scheme is there's always a key organizational meeting. When somebody says, how do we stop this? Let's do this. And somebody in the room goes, that's illegal. And they go, we don't care. Let's do it anyway. That is the crux. You have to get the conspiracy and the agreement to commit the crimes from someone. No one, Trump hasn't been talking, everyone else has been talking, but the guy who would be the knife in his back is the guy who took the notes and actually carried out the plan at the behest of Donald Trump. Meadows may have memorialized it somewhere. What if he did that, uh, you know, that... That old still from the Harrison Ford movie, right, where the the national security advisor gets the president to sign off on a statement, you know, uh, giving him amnesty on everything. Right. Where he says, I want you to execute a plan so that I remain president and Joe Biden does not. Any statement, any written record, Meadows, his own text messages. He is Trump's brain and executor for that conspiracy uh, but and he, trump is gonna come
0: right out malcolm and yeah. he's gonna go like this mark meadows is a rat there's Yo, yes. many rats yeah right there are many there are many rats that yeah there are many rats that used to be in my camp right many many rats that he's flipping he's he's providing this these lies in order to protect himself in yeah. order to get a reduced sentence it's the same you see this is the thing and I say this, and I don't say this to be caustic to Donald. I don't say it in order to diminish him. But Donald is an idiot. All right? Truth be told, he's really fucking stupid. He uses the same play over and over and over and then over and over and over. Delay, delay, delay all the court cases right it's not going to affect the maga morons because they're so entrenched in the cult as donald himself said i could shoot someone on 5th avenue and get away with it right he will just claim that meadows is saying what the government told him to so that he could avoid liability it's all part of the witch hunt I that's forward- it and then he'll just raise he'll just raise money off of
1: it i look forward to hearing that in court
0: yeah well the problem with court is it has to be beyond, you know, a reasonable doubt. And there will be one person in that jury who would easily turn around and say, listen, it's true. Right. We don't have the document to see what it is. He burnt it. We have no idea whether he's telling the truth or not. It's a it's a valid argument. That's why I constantly say things like Alvin Brigg, that case, the Manhattan D.A., mm-hmm. easily provable. Easily, easily provable. The Marlardo yeah. documents, hence the shirt. The Marolardo documents, all right? Easily provable, all right? It is what it is. He had it. He refused to return it. There's enough information, which brings me to the audio tape that right. once again recirculated. It's not a new tape that everybody's running and screaming about, but it is about Donald in his voice, despite the fact he'll tell you Don't listen to what you hear and don't acknowledge what you see. Just accept what I'm telling you right? right? about the classified Iran document that was given to him by General Milley. So if you would, can you unpack for my listeners what exactly is on that tape and how truly devastating that tape is demonstrating Trump's
1: intent and ultimate guilt? Yeah, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I don't have the transcript in front of me, but it's pretty clear. He was meeting with a, with a reporter and, his, and, 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 and an editor and was showing them information which was classified in an effort in his mind to prove that Donald Trump did not want to invade Iran. General Milley wanted to invade Iran, which is funny because the document General Milley had, which is a war plan, it was classified secret no foreign, not allowed to show it to anyone who's foreign. And secret meant that its release would do serious damage to the national security of the United States. How? It would show our enemies precisely which ways we're coming, how we're coming, what we're going to use to blow up Iran if we were to go to war with Iran. Now, if they get access to that, Iran will know exactly where to put their weapons and kill American soldiers in the future. Trump decided that he was going to exonerate himself from the accusation that he was a war monitor and wanted to go to war with Millie, So he kept a secret war plan, a plan for war. It's like stealing the invasion of Normandy plans and keeping them in your desk drawer, right? He took these plans, exposed them to the journalists and said, look, look at this. I have this document. You can hear the document shuffling. I had some idiot MAGA today come out and say, that was a Newsweek article. No, it wasn't. He says it. It's secret. I shouldn't be showing you this. I could have declassified it at the time, but I didn't. It's still secret. Right? And the, the woman's quite impressed. When she's listening to it, you hear the paper shuffling. He goes, look, look at this. This is, this is what Millie wanted to do. Millie wanted to do this war. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff does not decide whether we go to war someone in the white house asked for that plan. milly generated it. trump kept it as a blackmail document. amen. ah.
0: amen. so look, the hour goes by fast malcolm. Yeah. i have one last question All for right. you. and it's oh. something that's on my mind because you know, i want to talk about robert kennedy junior and his presidential ambition. I mean, I've had him on the show about a year or so ago. And we talked about a lot of shit, including COVID, about vaccines and other issues. And I got to be honest with you, he's a nice enough guy to sit and to talk to. But I think he's out of his mind. I think he completely ignores and he'll bombard you with a bunch of bullshit statistics and so on and so forth. In fact, I find his views are as close to QAnon as anybody that I have heard so far to date, other than people who are part of QAnon, right? I mean, he rants about this shit, um, which to me, I don't understand. What's your view on him? And do you believe that he's as dangerous as I do? Because I think he's dangerous. I think the name, unfortunately, carries a lot of credibility... And there are people who are completely confused in regard to COVID, vaccinations, the whole nine yards. They're talking about now vaccinations causing autism, something Don't Be Donald used to say also. That's fucking wrong. Just, And I want to be clear to my listeners,
1: absolutely wrong.
0: What's your opinion of the guy?
1: You know, do you guys sit around and go, oh, we got Malcolm on this week. Let's listen up some questions that will make him completely outraged. So, this is a good one. Uh, This is a good one. I want you to know the
0: answer to that is yes. (laughs) You get me If my blood pressure is, Malcolm, if my blood pressure is going to be through the roof, all right, (laughs) (laughs) why should I be alone in this journey?
1: (laughs) You're not. This is going to require liquor and Lipitor when we're done. Okay, so, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is supposedly the scion of the Kennedy clan, son of Robert F. Kennedy, and is going to run as a Democrat against Joe Biden. But he was put into this little scheme by Steve Bannon and Roger Stone, convinced him to run as the bugaboo candidate. He has, you you put it mildly when you said he was crazy, all right? He's batshit crazy. Now, that is an intelligence term of art. He has a mental defect now, which has made him dangerous because he is an advocate against all vaccinations. He believes in the worst, craziest, like you said, QAnon COVID conspiracy theories to him are reality. And he's listening to the nuttiest of the nutty of the right wing telling him that he could be president of the United States and get his craziness into the bloodstream of the United States like, uh, I don't know, a virus, and go out and spread this to the benefit of Donald Trump. Now, that's enough ranting for now. Now, let's think about this rationally, because he is nuts. And I think when he comes out, people are going to instantly understand he's not a Democrat. He shouldn't be on the Democratic ticket right? They should make machinations so that he has no involvement in the Democratic primaries, right? And the Biden administration, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris should pretend like he doesn't exist. No debates together. If they put him on a debate stage and he says something, you just talk like he's not in the room because he's crazy. He is a Trump surrogate out to spoil the vote to get the crazy one or two percent of the anti-vax world, and those great and, and the far end of the libertarian left that goes so far, it comes back around to the Steve Bannon and Roger Stone right.
0: Well, the problem with that is you know two percent can actually change the entire outcome based upon you know the number of people that get out and vote, which is why I constantly tell everybody yep. make sure that you're all. Set and ready to vote. You know your district. You have your uh, your registration in order. Malcolm, as always, my brother. So great to see you. Thank you for thank you for joining me this hour on Mayor Culpa. Thank you for allowing me to raise your blood pressure. Um, I will continue to stay in touch with you as I do thir- you know regularly because your um, your views are spot on and. Extremely important uh, for my listeners to hear. So thank you and stay safe, my brother.
1: All right, Michael. See you soon.
0: And now for today's mea culpa. Listening to Donald Trump on that CNN tape, it's fucking sickening and eerily recognizable experience. Here you have the former president holding court, surrounded by idiot sycophants while teasing out his possession of something classified and illegal. This is vintage Trump, and it shows the seductive nature of being in his orbit. The people in that room, I'm sure, felt like they were privy to the machinations of a great politician and were in the proximity to state secrets and other classified information. I mean, all you have to do is listen to the nervous laughter and other comments that were made. I mean, it's clear that they all knew that they were seeing something that they shouldn't be seeing. And here was Trump leading them over the line, making them all complicit. All of these people are going to be subpoenaed. And unless they want to go to prison for perjury, they're going to say what was on those papers. But here is where the rubber meets the road, folks. If your best defense was I was lying, well, you're pretty much fucking screwed. Jack Smith is masterfully nailing Trump little by little, and he's not even having to do it on his own. Trump is sticking his own fucking foot in his own fat mouth. I mean, all he has to do is to continue to drip, drip, drip the evidence and, well, just let Trump hang himself. And I, for one, can't stop watching Trump squirm and this shit show and the fact that for some unknown reason, whoever it is that's around Trump refuses to tell him, hey, Donald, just shut the fuck up. Do yourself the biggest favor that anyone has ever done for you and keep your fucking mouth shut once and for all. And as always, thanks for listening. Mayor Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek, our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level.